This is the first episode of the Order of the Goblin podcast. And for today's show, we have Nikki from Nikki's Hideout. Hello. How are you today, Nikki? Oh, good. How are you? I can't complain too much. Very nice. Very nice. So, when I was talking to you earlier, I kind of wanted to talk to you about the uh, music and how it influences people. And you come from the club background, so... Yeah, yeah, I do. I've worked in <clears throat> several nightclubs in the UK for the last 20 years or so. Done many, many different types of events and stuff like that. So, yeah, I can see firsthand how, like, it, it, you know, big groups of people and certain music, how it influ- not necessarily influences, but, like, it changes their sort of... It's like, how can I explain it? Like, when you're in the area, like, it's like... a um, Everybody sort of feels the same sort of thing, you know? Yeah, like unified emotions, sort of. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I kind of got into, like, that weird spiritual shit earlier this year, and last year, actually. But, uh, like, shamanism was a big thing of that, and that's one of the things is, like, that collective group with that percussions and stuff mm-hmm. just helps, like, get everybody on the same level. And it's kind of like church, like worship and stuff. Like when they're doing that, it that unifies them. And yeah, like concerts and all of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like once, once when you get when there's a big group of people, they're listening to the same sort of thing, and they're all experiencing the same sort of um, audio. Um, you know, it's like a almost like a connection thing. You know. When, especially when you've got a big, big, da- a big dance floor and it's full, and they're all having a rave sort of thing. They're all there for the same reason, um, yeah. but <clears throat> on the same hand, uh, the type of music you play also affects certain groups. You know, like if you ever did like a, a major dance music event, okay, that that attracts literally every and every type of person. I think every, do you know what, I don't, I, I'm not a believer that like certain genres of music has to attract certain types of people. I think anyone could listen to anything. Like myself, I, I listen to absolutely everything and anything. <clears throat> but like if I'm going out, I'm, I'm going to go to a more of a dancier club than maybe a, um, an R&B club or a hip hop club or anything like that. That's just my personal taste. But I do listen to some stuff on my downtime. Like it's, a, it's like different environments make you want to listen to different types of stuff as well. And it's like the the different music types definitely set a different type of mood. Like jump style usually gets me like all like happy and stuff, and makes me want to like obviously jump around. But <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, I do feel like sometimes where. Like, if you look at, like, councils, most councils here in the in the UK, like, they are very anti-kind of R&B, hip-hop, grime events. So to get one past the county is quite difficult because they feel that that attracts a certain type of crowd. And that's half true, unfortunately, <laughs> you know? And that's kind of a shame. It's, it's weird how people, some people just won't, enjoy the music but they have to get this kind of attitude with it well, you did know? you check out that rap song i sent you the other day 
I did. It, yeah, 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 I did. I did. It kind of covers that, I think, you know, a bit. Where mm. it definitely... It is that kind of, like, violent attitude, though. But, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of different violent stuff, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, I'm not saying, like, it's the only source. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do, find, I do feel, like, when I work in, say, a commercial venue, which is over here, that means you play sort of, like, uh, a spectrum of music in one room for example so you'd have some house music then you play some r&b then you play some maybe some edm and some hip-hop and grime and it's all mashed together the atmosphere in the room certainly does change when it comes to each different genre like when you play say just normal house music or like deep house or you know just general housey stuff like chicago house for example it's you can feel it's very happy because it's upbeat and it's like everyone just wants to bop about. But then when he goes to the more grimy stuff, you feel the attitude in people. They they all just want to be bad man on the dance floor, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I got um, you. You know, and it's like not only that you see on the dance floor the change of people because as soon as you change the music to say you go to like from grime to drum and bass, for example, they leave the dance floor. And then a whole different set of people come on the dance floor. <laughs> it's like everyone sort of waits their turn. It's really strange in that respect. It's very rare that you'll find... Don't get me wrong, there are a few people out there who will just just will dance to anything almost, you know. Um, and they're the ones really you want to cater for more than the big groups who just want to hear one thing, you know? Yeah. Um. So do you kind of, like, judge the room, too, when you determine, like, what song you're going to play next? Or... Oh, yeah, definitely. So if, um, with dance music, because it's very upbeat and you keep, you know, you run it from between, what, 125 BPM up to anything up to, like, 144 BPM in a pretty bad hour set. Sometimes even longer, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And majority of people couldn't keep up for that long so you know you have to bring it down at some point just to give people a rest of dancing that fast you know um or if they want to go to the bar or have a drink and then that's when you bring it down and then you start playing like the slower songs like the r&b and the hip-hop because they're a slower pace so it's kind of easier to grind to i guess <laughs> and um <clears throat> but there's also a limit of like if you start playing anything that's too violent you get that round that crowd round uh too rowdy um you know, the, the manager's straight on you saying, no, 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 none of this, because they start jumping around too heavy. And it co- it does, it causes problems. It, and that's when fights break out, because they, because especially in a commercial venue, because there are some people who just want to be left alone. And then if people start jumping around like crazy people, you knock somebody over, or you knock someone's drink over, it, it, start, it starts problems, um, especially when it's mixed with too much alcohol, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have to very much like be very careful on what you play. Like if you start playing anything that's a bit too heavy, you have to keep an eye out on your dance floor because as soon as it starts kicking off, that's it. Like the DJ has to change the track to something a lot more lighthearted, and that usually is stuff like you know the house stuff, like I don't know Daft Punk or Galantis or things like that. You know, just to completely change the atmosphere of the room because I've done many different dance events. Where it's just pure house music or EDM, and you still get some problems, obviously, because it, it's not just music; it can just be some people's attitudes. But 
I've never done an uh let's say urban, which is like your R and B, hip hop, grime, all that sort of stuff, event and it goes smoothly. <laughs> it just doesn't happen, unfortunately. Because um, that sucks. And a lot of people will argue with that with me, but it's like don't get me wrong, there are events out there that do work and it's usually ironically with the older crowd. Um so if you did like an urban event where it's like for over thirties, go off without a hitch. It's just seems it seems like with the younger crowd, with that oh, kind it's... of atmosphere, it's almost like they've got something to prove. Yeah, yeah. So it causes more saying. issues. Yeah. Is that young people being young type shit too? Yeah, hundred percent. The thing is, music's also I, I've heard believe that music's also cultural as well. Um, because the first music you ever hear is whatever your your parents listen to, isn't it? To be fair, and then you start learning what you uh, listening, learning how to use a radio or whatever, listening to anything else. I mean, nowadays it's like whatever's trending on YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. I think, I think pretty much that's where most people get their music sort uh, from now is YouTube or things like Spotify playlists. Yep. And it's so much easier nowadays to release music. Um, you know, gone are the days where you need to have like a major record label behind you. I know so many DJs who release music who have hit number one. I, you know, um, just off their own back because it's all download stuff, downloaded stuff now. Yeah, that's actually um, pretty cool that they can do that now. It's cool, but also from a um, industry point of view, it's very difficult to a keep up with everything, and b music isn't exclusive anymore. That's true. Um, what I mean by that is like, so when I started in clubs, you know, DJs were still on vinyl, um, so music was a lot harder to get hold of. And if you ever had like, have you ever heard of White Label before? I'll be honest with you, I have not. Why a White Label back in the day? White Label was like a special press of a particular song or a particular remix, and they used to go out for 20, 20 to thirty pounds each for this tr- well, for like one track. Um, and only a handful of DJs would ever get the press. You know, would only get the track. So. That's what I mean by music was more exclusive back in the day because and why DJs were more praised back in the day sort of thing because you'd go to a particular event and you'd hear a special remix and you wouldn't be able to find it anywhere other than when that one DJ plays it or something, you know? Um, <laughs> so, so, but now, because of the internet and technology, everyone and anyone's a DJ. So music is lost its exclusivity you make a remix you put it online hundreds of thousands of people download it and you know it's not exclusive anymore where before it would only be a handful of people had it and you had to go to particular venues to hear it you know yeah so the industry's harder now it's hard you gotta keep up um people's um attention span is literally zero before you get used to be able to play a whole track, <clears throat> and a whole track being a five to six minute track, you know. Now you're lucky to play a minute and a half. <clears throat> the general the general rule is nowadays is first 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 chorus mix out. So <laughs> it, 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 it's always pointless making a three minute track nowadays because because people because people just get bored of it. Some songs, sometimes they only play the intros. <laughs> wow. 
Like, like they'll go the intros, they'll get the reaction from the crowd, and then they'll be in the next track. <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> it's unreal, the attention span of people now. I'm and of course that. you get a couple of annoying people to come up and go, oh, can I plug my phone in? Oh, like, God. I'm like, really? Because that's the way they've got such a low respect for DJs now, because everyone's a DJ, especially when they brought out stuff like Serato, which was which is like a uh, DJ software where you can control your decks via your computer. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and the companies who make the equipment now never, haven't helped now either, because now I, I just play off a USB stick. My whole set, or if I was going to do a set, is all on, on a USB stick. I plug it into the deck, and it's it's there. All my music's there, you know. Yeah. Um, but before you used to carry crates upon crates of like vinyl or CDs, and things like, that. or you have to bring a laptop. But technology has made DJing easier as well because they've all got auto sync and things like this now, so they don't even have to worry about queuing up the tracks properly. They can just drop the track and press play, and the computer do it for them half the time. Um, which some would argue that's not being a real DJ, when actually being a real DJ is knowing what to play and when and how to keep your crowd, which is what going back to what you said earlier about keeping them interested and making sure you change it up at the right times and things like that, you know? Yeah. It's about keeping that dance floor, keeping the atmosphere nice, for, you know, for everybody so that everyone can enjoy everything and not cause any issues or problems. I've noticed with the younger DJs who just want to play one genre, they just want that that kind of praise the whole time, you know? When a DJ drops a track and everyone just goes crazy, that's what they're after, and they don't care <laughs> if the night's going south or not. As long as they keep getting their their uh, reactions, they're like, they don't care, you know? So, yeah... It's a, it's a strange world we live in now when it comes to music, to be honest. I mean, it's just a strange world we live in, period. Uh, well, yeah. We've barely got a world left, to be fair. But what's going to be interesting to me, especially over here, come March, I would have been closed for a year. Um, so <clears throat> once we do get to reopen, which at the moment they're predicting the earliest it could be would be April, over here at least anyway. But, um, so yeah, clubs have been, we have lost so many clubs in the last year. I can imagine. So many, and even big ones, like big name ones. I know you would know any of them over there, but like, <clears throat> we had a club here called Egg, which was a major London club. That's been sold off to two developers now. Um, studio, uh, what was it called? Studio, no, it's gone. It was on my head. It was there, but it's gone. I think it's like Studio Four Four Five or something. There's another club that that's been <clears throat> that's been asking for like crowdfunding, funding and stuff. You know, Fabric, even Ministry of Sound. I think are just getting by. And these are major venues, like yeah. in the industry for years. Um, even the company that I worked for has been sold off. You know, it's been bought out by another company from Scandinavia, of all places. <laughs> but luckily, they've taken on all 44 venues. So that's the saving grace for them. But if it wasn't for them, they would have been permanently closed as well. So 
that's what's going to be interesting when we do get to reopen. It's like, is everyone just going to go out at once just to party and not really care about what music they're listening to? You know, because they just want to go out and party and see people again. It's hard to say. I think it'll probably yeah. be that. They yeah, exactly. They won't they, care. <clears throat> it would be literally a case of just, yeah, just have some loud music on and get the lights going. And they will just party the night away. At least for the first, I want to say, four to five months. And then we'll get back to normal. <laughs> Give or take. So that's something else, too, I, I wanted to bring up was the... Uh, I shared that article with you about uh, uh, the rave during COVID lockdowns. They still oh, have the a rave. In, in France, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. You see, this is... Because we, just... we, we had it here. We had a couple of legal raves as well. And this is, uh, uh, the way I see it, is a case of just younger people still not quite understanding what's going on. And they don't understand the business and they don't understand the industry. They just see a nightclub as, all right, yeah, we go out and we go out clubbing, we get drunk, we may get laid, we may not get laid, we may get in a fight, we may not get in a fight, you know. Uh, and they come home again and then they carry on with their lives, you know. But actually, this industry is a massive industry um, and it costs a lot of money. Um, to keep going. <clears throat> oh, I can imagine. And, um, so where they've just been really selfish and gone, oh, we, you know, we want to have a rave. We want to be out with people. We want to, you know, it's it's a kind of a, I don't want to say necessarily a revolutionary type thing, but you know what I mean. It's like a, um, it's like a cheap way of sticking it to the man. Oh, you can't keep us at yeah, home and blah blah blah. Kind of attitude. Of it's like yeah. them doing it here. Like they want to go protest, and we gotta go carry our guns, do our pro- it, all that stuff. Yeah, um, and the ironic thing is, because they did that, that's made you know cases go up, and that's made our government at least close us for longer. So in turn, they uh, they screwed us. And this this is before this the new strain came out. You know, yeah. So this is where. Uh, we were due to reopen in like uh, September, October time. But because then all the, the younger guys started having all these illegal raids with thousands of people turning up, cases flew up the ro- uh, You know, the government basically told us that, no, we're not opening you now because these guys can't behave themselves. There could be another wave because of it. And there was a slight wave. It wasn't massive. Um and yes, yeah, so now we've been pushed further, further, further back down the line because unfortunately, we've looked at so many different ways of how we could reopen. Um, with it being like, oh, with a um, social distancing, do we have to, can we separate the dance floor into like booths, and things like this? Um, so everyone has like their own little area. But again, <clears throat> we're only allowing six up to six people at a time per group over here. And you had to be like within like what we call I don't know if you got what you guys got over there, like we we have things like social bubbles and stuff like that. So you're allowed up to like six people um in a what's called a bubble. For example, myself, I can have and I've got my parents and I've got one friend, but because we all live on our own, it's okay sort of thing. Do you understand? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I I'm pretty sure I got you. Yeah. So <clears throat> If we were to open and do what we said was like, right, separate the dance floor into sections, 
and have it in the groups in their bubble, that means I can only go there with my parents and my one other friend. Like, <laughs> that's, that doesn't sound like a good night out to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, um, so that wasn't going to work. Um, yeah, it, and so we just saw, in the in the end, it was just a case of well, well, no, we can't, we can't do it because we could do it. Obviously, we could do it, but we wouldn't make any money off it to cover anything. No, because I think I remember you going to the club to get it set up, and then I think yeah, I've been back and forth to the venue that I work at several times to cut to go through like different things and stuff like that. There was one saving grace that was oh, where was it? It was back end of September or October. The government announced that <clears throat> um, pubs and bars could reopen, provided they sell some sort of food with the alcohol. And at that point, like it could have been anything. The food could be anything. Like it could be like you could buy a pizza and, and have a table and stuff like that. Again, each table was like limited to six people. So. Yeah. That's what we did for a little while. We we put tape. We did with the whole put tables on the dance floor. We served them things like we called them brunches, where you served like you know pizzas and I don't know burgers and things like that. Very very simple meals, sort of to cover the deal. And then we were able to play music, but we weren't allowed music over eighty five decibels because anything over eighty five decibels was classed as an event, and we weren't allowed to put events on. So I had to go in to make and turn all the sound systems down, limit everything so the DJs can go crazy with it, you know, because they're going to get too excited and like redline everything. Um, <laughs> because that's what DJs do, you know. Some DJs they just get too excited and they just think that louder is better. I was like, no, louder is not better. Louder means distortion. <laughs> um, so I had to limit all the systems. I had to make the lights just do a very simple sort of setup. And they did that for about a month. But again, um, each club was only making like about a grand a week. Where, for example, yeah, the club I worked at was only making about a grand a week. Where if we were open, we were making 22 to 30 grand a week. Yeah. So there's a big difference in profit there. And that barely covered any of the outgoings. It was more of a case of we need to get something going and show that we are it's more of a it was more of a case of telling the public that we haven't shut yet you know we're still trying and they were sort of on you know the public were actually fairly with it especially obviously the the younger crowd was definitely because they want to go out and do stuff yeah. <clears throat> but then the illegal rave started happening and then cases started going up and that's why we had like the two we had a two-week lockdown after that and then after that the government came out and said um, okay, we can reopen the bars, but this time you have to serve a substantial meal, and a substantial meal includes like a full-blown, four, like three-course meal, like starters, main, and a dessert and stuff like that. That's that's what they class as a substantial meal. And obviously, none of our venues are anywhere near kitted out to do shit like that, you know. Um, so we couldn't reopen. Um, I mean, now we're back into a full-down lockdown anyway. But so yeah, we we are last. Or the list because either the virus has to either disappear entirely or everybody in the country needs to get vaccinated before we can open because there's no point opening. So we are, are literally you, last on the list. Are you guys doing vaccines right now? Uh, the older. 
I think we're doing yeah. over eight, over seventies at the moment. I think we're doing old people and uh, medical first. Yeah, so there's medical and older people here as well. Yeah, um, but I saw yesterday that they just authorized a third vaccine here. Yeah, so hopefully think... that so hopefully that will speed up. I don't know. <clears throat> I think there's another one coming here too. Oh, nice. And then I saw where Biden's going to mass release it here too. But again, you still need the staff yeah. to be able to give them the vaccine. Do you know what I mean? So, that, so where it's like, okay, cool, we've, we've ordered 300 million vaccines. It's like, cool. There's only like, I don't know, 20,000 nurses in the country who could give you the vaccine. So you still mm-hmm. have to wait your turn. So it's not so much a supply issue. It's more of a actually get it out there, you know, thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, but again, like you say, because they're doing the older crowd first, which I'm not against at all, that does mean that we're put further, further back on the list to open, because we got we need the younger crowd to get it, you know. Because yeah. your clubbing years here are at least eighteen to thirties. After that, you're not really that fussed about it. So something else I had a question about regarding that, like it's really. Like, with all the clubs closing and stuff, it, that's happening here, too. And it's, like, I feel like our government's going to actually, like, help out more. Like, if they gave people UBI and shit like that to help out. Like, universal basic incomes, what that is. And, like, help the businesses stay open. Like, help the small people, not the people that are, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know your government got in trouble for putting out these stupid-ass ads with, like, just oh, don't get me started on that. That cause, yeah, especially in my industry. Yeah, because uh, I remember I, targeted entertainment. Yeah, um, it yeah it pissed off so many people. I had so many phone calls going from <laughs> people like going, "What the hell?" Oh, I totally agree. You, you know, they just saw the government here don't like entertainment industries unless it's like I don't know a theater. You know, oh, something that's like, either. like, something they they think is like classy. Um, even though, ironically, the the clubs play pay like are like the think the third or fourth highest taxpayers in the country. So it's like you'd have thought that they'd support them a bit more, but uh, they just weren't interested. They they just saw us as problems, um, more than you know anything else and they didn't help us at all and literally that's why the company that i work for had to sell because the government weren't helping them they weren't interested they asked i think the company asked for a million pound loan a month and the government turned it down oh wow yeah um so yeah so the support like what they call the arts and that is, you know, museums, theatres, things like that. But anything past that, they're not interested in it. They're just not interested. Um, that actually happened here, and that's part of why there's a lot of unrest, is some of these people have lost their bars because of the lockdowns and stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is why <clears throat> when they do come to open, there'll be less venues to be able to go to. Because of the government hasn't helped them. <clears throat> that's a shame because, like we said earlier, you can help a lot of people have 
better emotions if they're all together and having a good time. Yeah. But nope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not interested. Not interested in the slightest. Um, I mean, what's the industry like there? Like, does it have? A, do you have a big clubbing scene over there? I mean, where I knowledge. live, it's mostly bars. Yeah. Uh, big city, there are clubs, but I I do know they are struggling right now. Mm. I think they are open some, but they do close down. I don't think there have been concerts though. Like, I had a concert for October that got delayed to next year. Yeah, this is what my, um, we've been seeing over here. A lot of uh, like our big venue, concert venues are actually selling tickets for uh, concerts from July onwards. So unless they know something we don't, <laughs> you know, or the government are actually talking to them because literally our government won't even talk to our companies it about like dates thinking. or ideas or anything. Yeah, yeah, it could be wishful thinking as well, yeah. But it's just um, been very, they've just been very, very shady it, about it the whole be. thing. Uh, but yeah, the uh, that was it. The, um, we always talk about the uh, whole uh, retraining thing. And they're, they're thinking that like it was a good idea to offer all of our uh, people who have lost their jobs or temporarily out of work. Because the way I see it, I don't see it as I lost my job. I see myself I'm just temporarily out of work because we can't open, right? Right. Um, so for that, that yeah, they they were like, oh yeah, let's start this the scheme of retraining everybody. It's like, and they started making these adverts like, hey, you were once this, but hey, why don't you try and do be this now? It's like, thanks, thanks for like completely uh, wiping over my twenty year career that I worked my ass off for to go and be a fucking binman. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no shit on binman. They do an important job, but. That's what it felt like. It was just like, oh, yeah, you've done 20 years of that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't care. You could go do this now if you want. I'm like, but I don't want to do that. I want to do this still. Oh, well, we're not going to let you. Well, oh. here it was like, yeah. if you're able to go to get a job at your local grocery store, like, while you're off working your other job, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Oh, pretty much every, almost every DJ that I know or who I talk to on a regular... Either they're a driver for Amazon now, or they're a driver for like um, a grocery store over here, you know, home delivery and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, half of them hate it. They are so unhappy and so, dare I say, depressed because it is just not what they want to do. But, like, this is what the government told them they need to do. It's like, I, and I'm just trying my best to say, look, it's only for, just, just keep remembering it's only for now. We will come back. I don't know when. But you just see, keep in your mind that it's only for now, and that you know, we will get back to entertaining again. And I think that's it's all well and good. It's still easy for me to say, but it's easy. Well, that was it. It's easier said than done, you know. Because, like I say, when the government don't want to help you at all, or see you as not viable, that's just a major, you know, kick in the teeth. You know, they're just like, oh yeah, just get, just go get a driver, a driver job, you'll be fine. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's just ridiculous to say. Yeah, I mean, it it, it kind of um, hit them back. Hit the, they sort of kind of hit themselves in the ass anyway because the advertising they were doing, they were using obviously pictures of like other artists. Like uh, I think one was about uh, a dancer. It's like so, she was a dancer, right? 
and this is a still picture, so it's like a ballerina. And uh, I think the article said something. Uh, sorry, the advertisement said something like, "Ah, oh, I used to be a dancer, but now like I'm an IT support technician." Blah blah blah. Yep, <laughs> like, I remember that ad. And yeah, and what was ironic? They didn't get permission from the dancer. Oh, and she ended up those. she ended up suing whoever you know put this advert out saying that's not me i'm not i'm not doing that i'm not giving up being a dancer how dare you insinuate that i've given up on my dream because you want me to sort of thing and i went too fucking right do you know what i mean like that's exactly what they're did doing she win that? Telling... huh did she win that oh totally oh yeah, awesome yeah, yeah, totally, totally totally won it because like yeah because that's what they were insinuating they're insinuating that she was giving up on her dreams and that she was going to go off and do this other thing it's like no where like i say she fought for her career, saying, like, no, this is what I want to do. I'm not giving up on this just because this is what's going happening right now. Like, I will wait. I will sit here and wait until I can continue my dream. I'm not going to end it because you told me to. That's not fair. Which isn't fair. And lots of people argue me, have argued with me saying, oh, well, you know, if your thing's not there, it's the same as you being redundant and then closing your venue. Well, yeah. But if, if my venue closed... I go work at another one. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm not going to change my career because one of my clubs might shut. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I get you. I'll go work in another club or try and get work in another club. You know, you continue with your career. You don't just stop it. And they're basically telling us to stop our careers completely. Yeah. It's kind of like... And learn something else. Yeah, they, I think they definitely did that here. And it's also like... They want people to, like, just, oh, we'll teach you programming, we'll teach you that. It's like, some people cannot handle that. No. It's like, they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. So, I don't know what you're going to do to fix that problem, but you're not re-educating. Yeah, some people just, like, like say, just... (sighs) If they'd done it as a... um, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, the, the scheme isn't a bad scheme, right? ultimately it's not a bad idea to give people options right but the way they went about it was all wrong they should have done it like hey look we know this is we're in a bit of a shit position right now and you can't do your dream right now but hey we can't necessarily support you financially because of whatever blah 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 here's an idea why don't you do this temporarily do you know what I mean and help them out to do it temporarily and then say like you know and with like it being a contract where you're not signed into it, yeah, that would definitely because that, that's the what most people are scared of right now is going into a new job, signing up a, a contract, so then they have to do like if they and, and then when the clubs do reopen and they want to go back to being a DJ and they want to go back being a lighting guy or whatever, they then have to give notice of this job they've got at because they're contractually obliged to. This is why people don't really want to go back to these things or go into these things because they don't want to sign up to a contract. So I think that's that's something that's different between here and there, maybe. I don't know about other people's jobs, but, like, I've never really had to sign a contract saying you have to do this, that, and the other. You have to work here that long. Like, you know what I mean? Is that what happens? Uh, It's not not necessarily you have to work here that long, but it's kind of case. If I want to, some contracts are like, if, if you're signed to a contract to work somewhere and you want to leave there, Okay, and you would have, and you want to do it like to the book with references and blah 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 blah. blah. You have to give like they'll sign it, say you have to give like a month's notice. 
before you can you. leave. You know? See, you do that here, they just fire you. They're like, oh, you're leaving in a couple weeks? Just go ahead and go out the door now. Oh, you, you can always get fired, but then yeah. it goes on your record, you know. It's, it's like one of those things where, yeah, so in a contract, you get contracted here and you're obliged to give notice when you want to leave. No, I was just saying, like, yeah. it's kind of like, well, what I was referring to mainly was like the, uh, like when you're out the door, like when you tell someone you're going to quit, mm. they just go ahead and can you right there. Like, all right. No, they can't. No, no, you're not allowed to see. Yeah, they're not allowed to do that here. Not legally. Yeah, see, you that's weird. Have, you need to have a, a system. There's a system in place where you can't just get fired like that. Unless you do something very, very, like, wrong. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, you have to go through a process of, like, I think it's like uh, two. You get two verbal warnings and a written warning. And after that, you get. Then, then they can fire you. So they have to give you the benefit of the doubt. They can't yeah. just fire you. I think that's still the same here, too. Just probably different terms and stuff. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Uh, HR definitely has, like, rules and guidelines they have to go through. We're also yeah. getting sued, so... <laughs> you know, they don't <laughs> want to deal with that. So, yeah, it's just a case of... Sitting and waiting. <laughs> and hope that this... Uh, like, keep your fingers crossed that this vaccine works. But, you know, for us on, who work there, it's so frustrating just seeing people just not abiding by the rules. I mean, nobody wants to be indoors. Nobody wants you to be, like, in lockdown. And at the same time, I've always been saying, the whole, this whole time I've always said, it's not like they've asked you to go to war or anything. Yeah, they're asking, exactly. They're asking you to stay home and watch Netflix for crying out loud. Is it really that bad? No, some people <laughs> really lose their shit, dude. Like, but Yeah, but that's know. where they need to start using the technology that they've got, you know? I just don't think... I think yeah. people are so... Uh, used to having this technology in their hands, but they just don't know how to use it. Or they use it too much, like on social media. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not it's the same, same thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> that is. They go all different kinds of tangents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it all comes just down to people just... Being selfish. Selfish and stupid, almost. You know. True. Entitlement, almost. Oh, definitely. Here it's entitlement and selfishness, just 110%. Mm. And uh, there's people that, like... There's a lot of misinformation here, too, with it, but... And a lot of disagreement. And then you censor the other part, and then it's like, oh, they're not talking about this, so it must be true. It's all, yeah. it's all just crazy, dude. Ah, oh, dear, dear. <laughs> but no, like, so back to like the original topic, kind of. Sure. I noticed like earlier this year, I noticed different types of music definitely influence people different ways and have like a different effect on people. And then I found like this stuff on like Jung psychology, like Carl Jung. And how right. it tied to, like, psychological operations to get people to influence them to do certain things. And, like, I read this, like, article about how ISIS recruited with it and music and influences people and just different genres, the different effects they have on people and how they can influence people to certain movements. And I'm like, that's wild, dude. 
and like I mean, you must to... everyone. You must have heard the whole like when people are in a bad mood, they'll turn on some music to either make them feel better or release stress or calm them down. You know, it's the same same sort of thing. Like when you're feeling sad, you might put on some music to either cheer you up or stuff that's gonna go with your emotions at that point. You know, and help you just flush it out and get it away. Yeah, basically. Um, I think music has become far too, let's say, uncensored nowadays, and I think that is a bad thing. Um, I think it's too easy now to just to make music about violence. I think it's too easy to make music about about overly sexual things. I mean, for crying out loud, rap was bloody trending in YouTube for like like number one trending. And we all know what that song's about. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, this is where I'm saying, like, where music's lost its exclusivity, where the charts, that stuff would never, that stuff never used to really hit the charts because it never sold a lot. But now because, say... because of the internet and because it's so easy to get hold of, you know, it gets shares left, right and centre. And people are hearing more of it because they have easier access to it. True, and I think there was a lot of like memes behind uh, WAP that really got it boosted up there. I don't know. This is what I mean about what I said earlier about how easy it is for people to release their own music. They only need to get like a hundred, hundred thousand views on YouTube, and they've got a hit. <laughs> you know, and it's uncensored, unmonitored, and everything like this. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for like you know freedom of speech and things like that, and making what you want to make. But it's also like, I feel like you have a certain responsibility as well. I mean, the Beatles just wanted to hold your hand. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? But when you are influ- when you are class, and I hate this word, I absolutely can't stand this word, when you are a influencer of such, you have a major responsibility. Major responsibility. And I don't think, when, when it comes down to when they're being called out for it, and they're like, well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's like yes, it is. You made the song. It's your fault. You know, you are to you are to blame for this person feeling this way because they listened to your song and it made them feel that way. I get do you it. Know, do you know what I'm saying? It's like I think artists need to be either careful of what they bring out and stuff like that, and just look after the lyrics a bit better. You I know? can see that because there's definitely some like. Uh groups over here that their music's like inciting violence here against different people but I think too you gotta realize it's music it's like video games because people can easily say like you know video games cause this or you know any media yeah, causes the, yeah the difference I find mm. with video games is, is that they are already simulating it this is my argument when it comes to video games like people say oh video games makes people violence well no they're already they're already uh, simulating during the game. So if they have any kind of anger or whatever, they get it out in the game. <laughs> you know? Well, see, I used um, to make that argument too. Like, it's a catharsis f- to play the video game. Except yeah. when these people go play Call of Duty in the streets of DC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but video games has been out for a very very long oh, time oh no i'm not trying to rag video games here i'm just saying like ragging on media influencing people to do things is a slippery slope because everything yeah. influences folks 
That's mainly what I was going for there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. Because the difference between music and video games is music is you're just listening to it. You're not simulating it. You're not so participating. So if it influences you to do something bad, it's because you're not simulating it. So you go and do it. Or something like that, do you know? I um, you. Yeah. Because uh, there are a lot of songs out there where, where they say, the, like in the song, let's have a mosh pit, everyone do a mosh pit, something like that, and then suddenly you've got a mosh pit on your dance floor. You oh, don't yeah. want it on your dance floor because it causes problems, <laughs> depending on where, where you are. You know, in, in places, in things where there's like a metal band or a metal concert, mosh pits are the norm, but they're controlled. You know, as soon as someone gets to the floor, they get pulled up. If someone wants, to, wants out, they get taken out. You know, the it's like it's a controlled thing. You try doing a mosh pit in an area that they don't usually have mosh pits, and they don't know how to have one properly. They think they've got a fight, and they start fighting, and that's where it kicks off, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, that's where we have to step in. You know, the door would have to step in to get the people out, sort of thing. And then suddenly, you got a big hole in your dance floor, which you now got to try and calm down, and it's all due to the song you just played. Yeah. You know, that's that was influenced by that song. If you'd played something else that didn't have that in there, that mosh pit wouldn't have happened. No, I got <laughs> you, know? you there. Yeah, yeah. So when people say music doesn't influence anything like that, well, it does. Because, like I say, if he hadn't played that track, that wouldn't have happened. It's like, uh, do you know Lethal Bizzle Pal? Have you heard that song? No. So it's an aggressive... Well, yeah, you could call it an aggressive sort of grimy track that was over here. It was released. It was massively popular. Even though the song in the lyrics, I don't think the lyrics had that anything uh, too bad behind it. It was just the whole sound of it was just like aggressive and like really raw, like, you know, and the lyrics was called pow, <laughs> you know, so it's like pow, doodly, 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 pow, like this. Yeah. So you, we banned it from all our venues. Because every time it got played, fights kicked off left, right, and center. Oh, I can imagine. To the point where we actually... Some venues actually... I don't know why they did this, but some venues actually booked Lethal Bizzle and said to him, you can't play that song. (laughs) You know, to the actual artist. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they probably didn't take too well that. No, exactly. That's my hit. I can't not play it. Yeah, but um, so yeah, like music does influence certain behaviors. Oh, especially, like exactly. obviously, it's it's magnified by a thousand when you start when you bring alcohol into it or any kind of influence um product. You know, yeah, I can imagine it can get pretty rowdy sometimes. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I don't actually. The thing is, when you actually talk to the artists who make the song. Half the time they're pretty chill and they're they're cool people, and they don't actually mean for them these songs to influence people that way. Half the time it's just them just like either trying to tell their story. Do you know what I mean or something? Well, that's kind of what I figured it would be. Is especially hip hop because hip hop was so heavily influenced about. I mean, the artists in hip hop was so heavily influenced about their lives and their upbringing. And they wanted, and they used music to tell their story. And unfortunately, if if they had a bad upbringing or a violent upbringing, it was in their tracks. And that's not what they meant to do. Was to they never meant to insinuate any violence. They were just trying to tell their story. 
Maybe they chose the wrong genre of music to do it. I don't know. But they that's all they'll try to do. And they will admit that. Don't get me wrong. There are some artists out there who generally just want to make start make, making violent music. And ironically, it's the people who aren't signed up to big companies. Um, because they probably have no like real restrictions from the company. Exactly. That's what I'm saying about music's too uncensored now. Because you can mm. just don't do it by yourself. You know, there needs to be, I think there needs to be some sort of major <clears throat> license that everybody as an artist should have to pay. I mean, you've got PR, over here you've got like PRS, which is just purely just to, basically it's just to um, cover the artist's back for copyright claims. It doesn't actually cover what the artist should and shouldn't put out, you know? Or what should and shouldn't put out on the radio. I think the radios now are even, because the radios are now, uh, going up against things like YouTube and Spotify, they're working harder to keep their listeners, and so now they're playing all these tracks, <laughs> you know? Well, I noticed, too, like, radio has started pushing out, like, podcasting, too, like, on their yeah. apps. They're pushing out podcasting because, like, they're just trying to grasp for anything to compete with Spotify and all these title and other services. 100%. <clears throat> <clears throat> but like I say, 90% of the artists that I have worked with and know of who make, shall we say, aggressive music, they just usually, nine times out of ten, they've just made a beat that they really like and they put lyrics to it and it's just turned out how it is. Um, and they, they'll say, oh, you know, we never meant for it to be used in this way or that way. And most of the time it doesn't. But to that one or two people who it does, it's like, okay, you still need to be responsible for that, I think. I think that's more on the individual, personally, but... Yeah. Because, like, it's them reacting to that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they I mean, my biggest pet peeve... My biggest pet peeve when it comes to music is lyrics, and it's, like, people... special, Especially lyrics with certain words that certain cultures can't say. Oh, I okay? got you. Yeah. But I no, 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 no. What, what I'm going to say is, it's like, but they want to sell their music to everybody, but they'll get pissed off if other people sing along. It's like, <laughs> well, don't have the word in the song then. Yeah. It's not needed. If you want to sell to everybody, make the song for everybody. It, it, that's the only pet peeve I really have. So don't get arsy with people if they start singing along your song. Do you know what I mean? I, do kind of, name, I, I know what you're talking about, that's and I do kind of agree with you. You know. You know, they've paid their money for the song. Let them sing along to it. <laughs> They're not meaning anything by it. They're just singing a freaking song that you wrote. Because um, I remember a girl got booed off stage for doing it, even though they pulled her on stage. Yeah. You know, I think that clip went viral, and it's like, and that's, that's totally set her up for that. That's really um, a hot topic, especially, like, this year, because of everything going on. And it's just, of like... Of course. No, 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 of course. Uh, it's like... Say. It's like I don't know, man. I don't think people I really realize talk about the music side of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I no, don't yeah, yeah. You know, whatever you do, you. So I'm, I'm very much a person of you do you. I don't care what you do, um, or who you are. Just, I just think if you're promoting to the masses, you need to work with everybody. You know. Yeah, and I think people need to realize, like, you know, I don't know. It's so. Ch- because <laughs> it's like it's difficult just no, don't it's, say it's very it at the moment. it's just don't say it but at the same time I know people that are POC 
that are like, you know, I don't care. It's part of the music. You put it in there. You say it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to say their own language or say their own words and stuff. That's fine. But again, if you want to sell this and take people's money for this product, it needs to be for everybody. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, just don't have it in the song. You can use it something else that everyone else can sing. I mean, they used to bring out different versions of songs. You used to have what's called a radio edit and a club edit or or an album edit. <clears throat> so 90% of people have heard the radio edit and get used to singing that particular version. Yeah. You know, especially in the venues. Uh, but now they don't even do that. They yeah, just sort crazy of that it out. It's like, well, that's that's not the same thing. Just make a different version. Yeah, if they could just make that radio and then it'd all be good. Yeah, exactly. But they don't even do that anymore. They just bleep, like I say, they just bleep it out or something. It's like, well, that doesn't solve anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but, pff, I don't know. Who am I? You know what I mean? <laughs> I f- 100% feel it. Who am I to judge? Who you know, am I? Just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. We're coming up on an hour here, so... Okay, cool. Um, if you want to just say where people can find you on Twitter, and I know you stream on Twitch uh, as well. I, Twitch, I stream on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Nikki's Hideout. Um, it's an interactive sort of fun-based just channel where we just chat rubbish and play video games, really. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter as well, at Nikki's Hideout, too. All right. There we Thank go. you for coming to the Order of the Goblin podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem.